so today we are doing canto 9 chapter 7 this is uh, the descendants of king mandata we are continuing with the story uh, last week whatever we had uh, discussed about the sons of of all the manus and how the entire lineage happened so this is also one of the story this is called the descendants of king mandata so canto 9 chapter 7 Sukhdev Goswami said the most prominent among the sons of Mandata was he who is celebrated as Ambrisha Ambrisha is accepted as the son by his grandfather Yuvanaswa Ambrisha's son was Yuvanaswa and Yuvanaswa's son was Harita in Mandata's dynasty Ambrisha Harita and Yuvanaswa were very prominent this is uh, like every other dynasty it will last for only a certain period of time like you will find that even uh, during our recent history also there are chola kingdoms there are vijayanagar kingdoms like that you know magadha rajas and all these are different different kingdoms and they had a dynasty so sometimes the dynasty lasts for a very long time sometimes it doesn't last for a long time uh, so here we have three kings in a row the serpent brothers of narmada गेव नर्मदा तो पुरुकुत्सा बींग सेंट बाय वसुकी शी टूक पुरुकुत्सा टू द लोअर रीजन्स ऑफ द यूनिवर्स सो इट इज लाइक अ ऑन गोइंग स्टोरी सो लेट एस सी दीज आर वेरी स्मॉल वंस सो इज नॉट मच टेक्स्ट ओवर हियर सो इट्स अनलेस एंड अंटिल देर इज समथिंग वर्थ वाइल आई कैन डिस्कस ऑन इट देर इज रसाचार इफ यू रिकलेक्ट लास्ट टाइम वी हैड स्पोकन अबाउट Bali Maharaj okay right so he has gone to a particular hell now this time it is about rasatala the lower regions of the universe purukutsa being empowered by lord vishnu was able to kill all the gandharvas who deserved to be killed purukutsa received the benediction from the serpents that anyone who remembers this history of his being brought by narmada to the lower regions of the universe will be assured of safety from the attack of snakes now in this case gandharva loka what is gandharva loka a particular region where you have the gandharvas you see we have gandharvas kinnaras kimpurushas all these are different different regions so one of the regions is gandharva loka now gandharva loka also are people those who are connected with arts sciences dance form so on and so forth you know various forms of uh, knowledge which is connected to artistic nature so right the son of purukutsa was trasadasyu who was the father of aranyarya ha <coughs> ana anarnya son was haryasva the father of praruna praruna was the father of tribandana the son of tribandana was satyavrata who is celebrated by the name trishanku trishanku is a very interesting story if we have it it, it he was suspended in the mid space so we say you know sap ina na ghar ka na ghat ka you know neither here nor there we say you are suspended in the middle somewhere so he is called trishanku okay so it's a very interesting story if we have it here because he kidnapped the daughter of the brahmana when she was being married his father cursed him to become a chandala lower than a shudra thereafter by the influence of vishwamitra he went to the higher planetary system 
the heavenly planets in their material body but because of the prowess of the demigods he fell back downwards nonetheless by the power of vishwamitra he did not fall all the way down even today he can be seen hanging in the sky head downwards he is one of the stars which is there in between okay just like you have rahu and ketu actually these rahu and there is no such thing as rahu and ketu but these are basically because we have a certain periods or a certain malefic time where you know uh, which is a, a negative time we can say and at that point in time we have these dashas everybody goes through these uh, painful periods in their life and that uh, we can't do much about so what it means is even this person trishanku was in that suspended animation state the son of trishanku was harishchandra because of harishchandra there was a quarrel between vishwamitra and vashishta who for many years fought one another being transformed into birds so so these are all linkages of all different different story but the story is not going to be discussed over here it is just to draw the lineage okay so let us see it's like you know you one person cursing the other person you are like this you are like that you know you know what happens we don't know you know when we speak some words like suppose i say a word like you are chicken okay now the moment we say the word you are chicken actually i mean it i mean it so in that case what happens is the particular person has to come in the form of a chicken now if he is a chicken then what are you are you not granting yourself something similar because because if that person has that particular form you also need to come in a particular form so maybe okay you become a worm so the chicken eats the worm you got the point <laughs> it is always going to be like this so never curse anybody for anything if you curse somebody by say even out of you know without your knowledge also sometimes we just say words for no rhyme or reason but we actually mean them so he is a snake in the grass and we say you are a snake okay so if he is a snake then the other person can become a toad toad a small frog you know how no the snake eats the toad so it's like that so we should never say any bad words to any person because it has repercussions on us as well so both parties whoever they might be they both have to suffer so in case of these two great people like vishwamitra and vashishta muni they were always having a fight they, from the beginning of their life till the end of their life vashishta muni did not like uh, vishwamitra because vishwamitra was not a he was a he was a raj uh, he was a king okay he was a, he was a king's son and being king's son you cannot be a brahmana so you are not a brahmana so then what are you you are a kshatriya and kshatriya cannot take up a brahmana's position and that is the reason why there was always a constant fight between these two people so one person called the other person a duck now you know what happens <laughs> so it that's a story so let us not get into that all right harishchandra had no son and was therefore extremely morose once therefore following the advice of narada he took shelter varuna said to him my lord i have no son would you kindly give me one so we are continuing with the line 
the Harishchandra story. O King Parikshit, Harishchandra begged Varuna, My Lord, if a son is born to me, with that son I shall perform a sacrifice for your satisfaction. When Harishchandra said this, Varuna replied, Let it be so, Tathastu, he says. Because of Varuna's benediction, Harishchandra begot a son named Rohita. Thereafter, when the child was born, Varuna approached Harishchandra and said, Now you have a son. With this son you can offer me a sacrifice. In answer to this, Harishchandra said, After ten days have passed since an animal's birth, the animal becomes fit to be sacrificed. After ten days, Varuna again came and said to Harishchandra, Now you can perform the sacrifice. Harishchandra replied, When an animal grows teeth, then it becomes pure enough to be sacrificed. This is how we dilly-dally, you know, we give reasons for not doing something. So, Arishchandra is giving his story, all different, different stories. Actually, when you owe something to somebody, you know, you need to fulfill that promise, whatever that is there. So, otherwise there is a repercussion. When the teeth grew, Varuna came and said to Harishchandra, Now the animal has grown teeth and you can perform the sacrifice. Harishchandra replied, when all its teeth have fallen out, then it will be fit for sacrifice. So, one more twist in the story. <laughs> when the teeth had fallen out, Varuna returned and said to Harishchandra, Now the animal's teeth had fallen out and you can perform the sacrifice. But Harishchandra replied, When the animal's teeth grow in again, then he will be pure enough to be sacrificed. Like we have this milk teeth and all that, okay? <laughs> Something like that. When the teeth grew again, Varuna came and said to Harishchandra, Now you can perform the sacrifice. But Harishchandra then said, O king, when the sacrificial animal becomes a Kshatriya and is able to shield himself to fight with the enemy, then he will be purified. Purification is, is, a, uh, is a very strange phenomenon. What is the meaning of the word purification? We see, we have heard this word purification so many times. What does the word purification mean? Purification means... Removing all the conjugas, all the past, you know, we have these tendencies and stuff like that which are associated. You know, if we have a particular habit, let us say we have a habit of not getting up in time or eating too much. You need to overcome that. That is purification. See, I am giving you a very simple example. Now, we, uh, the spiritual examples are different, but I hope you understand. Purification means whatever the negative tendencies, whatever the negative impacts that are going to happen in your world. Like say for example, you are not used to studying, you know, uh, during the day. Normally what happens? There are people in today's world, what do they do? They sit the whole night and study. And then they go next day and they write the paper. I am sure you have seen this, you know. Uh, what happens? In the paper they fall asleep. <laughs> So, so performance wise they are always going to be falling short. So you have to overcome this tendency. You know, you are not an owl. You are not a bat also. So why are you going to that direction? So they, they have the tendency of a bat or an owl. The, basically the, the birds which are there in the night time. So we need to avoid that. We are human beings. We have human characteristics. And our nature is like that. But because of this nature from the past wherever we have got it from so we are used to that nature so removing that particular nature that means overcoming with self-effort understand this overcoming with self-effort 
You know, many a times we have seen there are people who drink and then they give up drinking. Sometimes Alcoholic Anonymous or some of these groups help. But sometimes they become very firm in their understanding and they say, no, I am not going to do it. And they are very firm about it. So such people have overcome their difficulties and then what happens to them? They get purified. So this is basically an idea about purification. Spiritual purification is different. This is all material worldly. Spiritual purification is based on your mind. Your mind is full of nonsensical stuff. You know how much your mind can dwell on things. Just think about it, you know. If I if I just keep one small object in front of you, let us say. Okay? Think about it. If I keep one Cadbury chocolate in front of people, everybody's eyes are on that. Everybody wants it. It's like that, you know, it's an enticement. And everybody's mind says, no, now now teacher is going to give, teacher is going to give. You know, in school also we had that. Okay. So this is what happens. So we are attached to the object. So in spirituality, we have to clean the mind. The mind which is full of all these things that it is attached to. So removing all these from the mind and making your mind fixed only on one on subject. That is reaching the state of realization or going towards the spiritual or putting your mind at the feet of the Lord or thinking about only the Lord. Beyond that, nothing else. You cannot think of anything else. Again, when you are thinking about the Lord, don't have some sort of a wrong ideas about the Lord because that is going to create problems. Okay? Now you will ask me, what do you mean by wrong ideas about the Lord? Wrong ideas about the Lord could be, you know, just because, now see, in... Uh, Sai Baba was there, Sai Baba of Shirdi. Now, all these fellows, you know, all the rich people, after everybody knew that he was a great saint, they used to come every day and there were hundreds of people waiting. And then there was this Chandorkar and everybody around him. What they would do? Everybody would give some offering. Some offering in the form of rich shawl, you know, shawl was there. Some would give... Uh, gold objects some people gave even you know those padukas we call the chapels which the, the sages wear they they made it made it of silver some made it of gold okay a person even brought a golden crown and everybody wanted him to use it what they used to do in the hundred more than hundred people would come so that person somebody from the group will put the crown on his head and he was such a frail old person, you know, when, when he was about to die that time, he had become very famous. So the crown would fall off, so somebody would have to hold it like this for him. <laughs> then, they would, uh, then they would be very happy and then he would remove it out. So you will find that in India there are lots of people who will tell you very, very simply this. That you know, I have got the chapels worn by Sai Baba. Oh, worn means what? Just one second he put it and he gave away. <laughs> that, that kind of a thing. But still, we have faith. So faith is okay. So now we understood how these sages work, isn't it? So sages are not attached to anything. You should know that. They are least bothered about you giving them a gold crown or something like that. Which text? What is the which text? I don't know. Just tell him your which text. We are talking about sacrifice. Oh, which text? Oh, he means uh, 16. Okay. 
So, he's asking about Sai Baba maybe. Sai Baba is there in the Sai Satcharitra, it's also there in some other ones also. Okay. So, anyway, we'll see. Alright. So, I hope you understood. So, performance of sacrifice. Sacrifice could be of any kind. Alright. So, now this person is falling short. He is telling when the teeth fall off and then the teeth come back and then this happens and that happens and I will sacrifice. Still not doing it. Hmm. So, when the teeth grew back again, Varuna came and said to Harishchandra, now you can perform the sacrifice. But Harishchandra then said, O king, when the sacrificial animal becomes a Kshatriya and is able to shield himself to fight with the enemy, then he will be purified. Harishchandra was certainly very much attached to his son. Because of this affection, he asked the demigod Varuna to wait. Thus Varuna waited and waited for time to come. Uh, this is a time-bound thing. You have to know this. This is a very uh, strange thing which uh, I have to clarify to you. Uh, when you get a child from a demigod or a sage or whatever, the child is, is under a particular obligation. In a sense, that means what? You are not supposed to have a child. The person, the family is not supposed to have a child and you have gone and asked for it. When you ask for it, the particular demigod or that particular person, sage, will say a certain condition. I will give you the child only for X number of years. Or I will keep the child with you for Y number of years. Beyond that, no. So, you will find that even when the question of, uh, you know, uh, Shankaracharya was there or even Sai Baba. Sai Baba was a child born in a village uh, which is about 100 kilometers from Shirdi to a very old woman and a man. They never had a son and they, he was born over there. Now he was by the grace of a, you know, these uh, uh, Muslims who come with the black clothes, you know, they put the surma in there and they have that thing. Uh, I'm sure you must have seen. You know, these are sages actually. They wander here and there. And uh, they are babas, you know. So, they are Sufi saints. Sufi. Sufism, you know. And uh, what, when this old lady asked him, he blessed them with a son. And he said, I am going to come next year and take the son away. Two years later. So, the lady said, okay, okay. At that time, you say, okay, okay. And when he came after two years, he said, no, no, no. Can you please give him for four years? So, he said, fine. Now you have an attachment to the child, so I'll give you four years. After that, she said, when he came again, he said another four more years. So for eight years, Baba, Sai Baba was with this lady. And after that, the sage insisted, you know, no, no, now I have to train him, so I am going to take him away. Same case is with Dattatre. Dattatre is, uh, you know, the three avatars that were there. All the three avatars, they had to go. Because they were granted only X number of years. So... At the age of eight, Dattatre himself walked out. Okay, the other two, that is Durvasa Muni and Chandra, they both said, we are not interested in being on this earth, so they vanished. Same way, where Shankara was also concerned. In Adi Shankaracharya's case, he was granted only 16 years of life. Now, 16 years of life are not sufficient. Everybody understands. So, what happened? He was granted an additional 16 years of life. So that is all. So like that, you know, these, these, are, these are the things which are granted sometimes. But you cannot take this grant seriously in the sense that, oh, this is my property. You can't say those words. 
and that is the reason why you have to follow what is being said and that is the reason why he says ki whatever varun dev had given him he is come to ask for it so harishchandra was certainly very much attached to his son because of this affection he asked the demigod varuna to wait thus varuna waited and waited for time to come rohita could understand that his father intended to offer him the animal for sacrifice therefore just to save himself from death he equipped himself with bow and arrow and went to the forest and rohita heard that his father has been attacked by dropsy due to varuna and that his abdomen had grown very large he wanted to return to the capital but king indra forbade him to do so king indra advised rohita to travel to different pilgrimage sites and holy places for such activities are pious indeed following the instructions rohita went to the forest for one year in this way at the end of the second third fourth and the fifth year when rohita wanted to return to his capital the king of heaven indra approached him as an old brahmana and forbade him to return repeating the same words as in the previous year thereafter in the sixth year after wandering in the forest rohita returned to the capital of his father he purchased from ajigarta the second son named sunehashipa then he offered sunehashipa to his father harishchandra to be used as a sacrificial animal and offered harishchandra his respectful obeisance that is as a sacrificial animals are there there are certain sacrificial animals even in the bible you will find that there are certain sacrificial this is a sacrificial lamb the word lamb is used sometimes so even in uh, even in this uh, books also you will find there are saf- sacrificial animals uh, there are various places in india also today there are so many animals are sacrificed just recently uh, over thousands of uh, you know i believe uh, a cow or cattle were killed at one place in in india it was a massive amount of uh, ca- uh, you know animals were sacrificed i don't know for what but Uh, for some reason and that had become a very headline news so coming back to this so what happens thereafter the famous king harishchandra one of the exalted persons in the history performed grand grand sacrifices by sacrificing an animal and pleased all the demigods in this way his dropsy created by varuna was cured this is not a it is not a good practice but okay let us go by what the book says in that great human sacrifice vishwamitra was the chief priest to offer oblations as the perfect self realized jamdangini had responsibility for chanting the mantra from the yajurved vashishta was the chief brahmanical priest and priest and the sage agitsya was a reciter of the hymns of samved king indra being very pleased with harishchandra offered him a gift of golden chariot sunapshepa glory will be presented along with the description of the son of vishwamitra the great saint vishwamitra saw that maharaj harishchandra along with his wife was truthful forbearing and concerned with the essence thus he gave them imperishable knowledge of fulfillment on the human mission maharaj harishchandra first purified his mind which was full of material enjoyment and now you remember that i was just talking about sacrifice sacrifice and how you have to first purify the mind remove all the things that are there from the mind which is connected to material world by amalgamating with the earth all right then he amalgamated the earth with water water with fire fire with air and air with the sky thereafter he amalgamated the sky with the total material energy and the total material energy with spiritual knowledge 
This spiritual knowledge is realization of oneself as a part of the Supreme Lord. See, what, what is mentioned over here is step by step. What he says? He amalgamated, which was full of material enjoyment. Mind was amalgamated with the earth. Means, you bring the mind to the level of the earth. And then, what you do? You earth, you amalgamate. Means, mix it with water. It is going back into the elements. It is like going backward, 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 backward. Right? See, if you remember, those who have done the... Uh, Tattva board with me, you know how the tattvas came into the picture. One mixing with another, mixing with another, that you know, one fourth, one fourth, one fourth, and one eighth, all that formulas that we have done. So, that is the reason why this is going backwards. So, the earth amalgamates with water, water with fire, fire with air, and the air with the sky. Thereafter, he amalgamated the sky with a total material energy. And the total material energy with spiritual knowledge. This spiritual knowledge is realization of oneself as a part of the Supreme Lord. When the self-realized spiritual soul is engaged in service of the Lord, he is eternally imperceptible and inconceivable. Thus established in spiritual knowledge, he is completely freed from material bondage. So how does a person get freed from material bondage? These are the steps. One, two, three, four, like that. You know, one going back into the other one, into the other one, into the other one, like that. So we have come to the end of this chapter. Alright? This is chapter 7, canto 9. So we will do the next chapter. So this is like a small story in between. So the sons of Sagara meet Lord Kapildev. This is chapter 8 from the same canto. That is canto 9, chapter 8. So the son of Sagara meets Lord Kapildev. So who is Lord Kapil Dev? I don't know whether you recollect the story. Kapil Muni. <laughs> so is that great sage from the past? So again these stories are all jumbled up. So we have to just go backwards in time. So just a little bit here and there is being given to you. Because we have to come to the main story. That is Sri Ram's story. Lord, Lord uh, Ram. Sri Ram. And Sita. Ram, Sita, Lakshman and all that you know. So, Sukhdev Goswami continued, the son of Rohita was Harita and Harita's son was Champa, who constructed, who constructed the town of Champapuri. The son of Champa was Sudeva and his son was Vijaya. The son of Vijaya was Bharuka, Bharuka's son was Varka, Varka's son was Bahuka. The enemies of King Bahuka took away these possessions and thereafter the king entered the order of Vanaprastha and went to the forest with his wife. Again, a short description because we have to go to the right linkage wherever it is. Bahuka died. Bahuka died when he was old and one of the wives wanted to die with him following the Sati rite. At that time, however, Aurava Mani, Muni, knowing her to be pregnant, forbade her to die. Uh, there are a couple of things which are uh, there when, uh, you know, in ancient times they used to say Sati can be done only by a pure-minded person, blah, blah, all those things. So one of the preconditions is you can't become Sati if you have, you are pregnant. But these are all rights which are not right at today's day and age. Maybe the man will become a sati or I don't know what. <laughs> so, knowing that she was pregnant, the co-wives of the wife of Bahuka conspired to give her poison with her food. But it did not act. Instead, the son was born along with the poison. Therefore, he became a sagara, the one who is born with poison. Okay. Sagara later become the emperor 
the place known as Ganga Sagara was excavated by his son. So Sagar Maharaj, following the order of the spiritual masters, Aurava, did not kill the uncivilized men like the Talajangas, Yavanas, Sakas, Hayayas, Barbaras. See, these are different tribes in India. They used to be different, different types. Instead, some of them he made dress awkwardly. Some of them he shaved clean, but allowed to wear moustache. Some of them he wear loose, wearing loose hair. Some he shaved, half shaved. Some he left without underwear. And some without eternal, external garment. Thus, these different clans were made to dress up differently. But King Sagara did not kill them. This is a nothing but a, an act of humiliation, you know. Sometimes shaving off the whole head, I'm sure you must, you must be knowing, you know, people do something like that. Uh, sometimes, you know, they send the person off with some, something short. It is, it's a way of humiliating the person. Following the instructions of the great sage Aurava, Sagar Maharaj performed Ashwamek sacrifices and thus satisfied the Supreme Lord, who is a supreme controller the super soul of all the learned scholars and the knower of all Vedic knowledge and the supreme personality of Godhead. But Indra, the king of heaven, stole the horse meant to be offered at the sacrifice. It is all Kalakandi. Sometimes <laughs> he will do everywhere he wants to do something. So here he is trying to you know, take the horse away. The horse, if you remember, is Ashwamegh Yagya is performed by a horse. The horse is sent in the, in the territory and wherever the horse goes, if you stop the horse, if you stop the horse, it's a challenge to the king whose horse it is. So then you have to fight the war with that. And that king is bound to win. So this way, you know, even uh, you will find that uh, uh, Yudhishthir. Yudhishthir used to send the horse further and further and further. It crossed right up to the territories of, uh, you know, Burma and all those places. So you will find that the kingdom of... Uh, Yudhishthir extended right up to Southeast Asia. And uh, if you, uh, those who visit the South Asia's, Southeast Asian uh, uh, kingdoms, you know, most of that time. Now, today there are countries. So you will still find there are these beautiful shows that they put up, which is called the Ramayana show, the Mahabharata show. They still have them. So if you go to Cambodia, you go to Thailand, or you go to any other place, like even... As far as Vietnam also, you will find the shows are still there. Now Bali. Bali is in one end of the world, which is Indonesia. So, I don't know how the horse crossed over the ocean, but maybe he was taken by a, a boat or something like that at that time. But anyway, they, they won that kingdom as well. So, coming back to this. So, King Sagara. Okay. Had two wives, Sumati and Kesini. The son of Sumati, who was very proud of their prowess and influence, following the order of their father, searched for the lost horse. While doing so, they dug the earth very extensively. He has taken away the horse, isn't it? So now they are searching for the horse. So this, they, they were digging. Thereafter, in the northeastern direction, they saw the horse near the ashrama of Kapil Muni. Here is the man who has stolen the horse, they said. He is staying there with closed eyes. Certainly he was very sinful. Kill him, kill him. Shouting like this, the son of Sagara, uh, somebody's, this thing is on. Son of Sagara, 60,000 all together raised their weapons. When they approached the sage, the sage opened his eyes. Now Kapila Muni, they find this particular horse near his ashram. 
So they think that okay, he must have taken the horse. So all these people who go to fight him because that is the rule of Ashwamegh Yagya. So at that point in time, Kapila Muni, he opens his eyes. By the influence of Indra, the king of heaven, the son of Sagara had lost their intelligence and disrespected a great personality. Consequently, fire emanated from their own bodies and they were immediately burnt to ashes. The sages are very strong and powerful. Sometimes just by their thought process also they can do a lot of things. Here it's a different thing which has happened. So, it is sometimes argued that the son of King Sagara was burnt to ashes by the fire emanating from the eyes of Kapila Muni. I was just saying, you know, that the, the, the sage is a very powerful person. And we have absolutely no idea why this is happening. This entire book is there because of a sage, issue with a sage, isn't it? Uh, if you remember Parikshit, he had gone to the jungles and then he put the snake around this uh, Muni's head and the son sees it and he curses him. So this story is because of all this. So here also, it's uh, like the sage opens his eyes and everybody is turned into ashes. This statement, however, is not approved by the great learned person for Kapila Muni's body is completely in the mode of goodness and therefore cannot manifest the mode of ignorance in the form of anger just as the pure sky cannot be polluted by the dust of the earth. So, Kapila Muni is an avatar of Sri Krishna himself. He doesn't have anger. So, some people doubt this particular theory. This theory is that he opened his eyes and everybody was turned into ashes. See, only those who, basically, anger is the root cause of a lot of problems. So, it creates what is called as a mode of ignorance. And that, this particular ignorance, covers up your entire being. When a person gets angry, he is not able to understand. Just as the pure sky cannot be polluted by the, cannot be polluted by the dust of the earth. So, likewise... Kapila Muni could not be polluted by this kind of an anger. That's what he is saying. Kapila Muni enunciated in this material world the Sankhya philosophy, which is a strong boat by which to cross over the ocean of nescience. Uh, if you recollect the story, this is the story of Kapila Muni giving advice to his, I mean teaching his own mother. Okay, Devahuti. So, Devahuti was taught by Kapila Muni. So, this is the same person. Indeed, a person eager to cross the ocean of material world may take shelter in this philosophy, Sankhya Yoga. Sankhya Yoga, all intelligent people, <laughs> those who can decipher God, they can dissect Him. They, they can do this kind of a yoga. For today's day and age, I don't know. I cannot say. Because we are all clouded by our not normal material worldly stuff. So, in such a greatly learned person, situated on the elevated platform of transcendence, how can there be any distinction between enemy and friend? So they are questioning. How can you say that Kapila Muni can be very angry? Kapila Muni cannot be angry because he is a Sankhya Yogi. Alright? So these are these are arguments and counter-arguments. Among the sons of Sagar Maharaj was one that is Asamanjasa. Asamanjas means somebody who is disagreeable. Person who disagrees on everything and is not at all willing to listen to reason. A person who is unreasonable. Got it? Who was born from king's second wife, Kesini. The son of Amanjasa was known as Amsuman and he was always engaged in working for the good of Sagar Maharaj, his father. So, what has happened? Now there is another lineage which we are talking about. Now here, there was a particular person, uh, one of the king's son. 
he had a son that son's son which is a grandson he was called that amsuman formerly in his previous birth asamanjasa had been a great mistake yogi but by bad association he had fallen from his exalted position now in this life he was born in a royal family and was jati smara that is he was a special advantage of being able to remember his past birth how many people actually remember their past birth you will know sometimes you will be wondering you know what past birth and all everybody remembers their past birth but they do not understand that they are remembering by the way we get it in the form of dreams we get it in the form of instances you know we say deja vu <laughs> you know deja vu happens because you you believe that you have gone there or you believe you have seen a person or you believe that this action you have just performed whereas you are performing it for the first time you know many a times this happens this deja vu is actually something from your past life you are you are doing the same action because the same track is followed unless and until you have got up and you have become great i mean you have uh, removed all those uh, just now only we said now you have removed all the conjugal way all the uh, defects in the system so now in this life he was born in a royal family and was a jati smara that is he had a special advantage of being remembering his past birth nonetheless he wanted to display himself as a miscreant and therefore he would do anything that was abominable in the eyes of the public and unfavorable to his relatives he would disturb the boys sporting in the river saryu by throwing them into the depths of the water you remember a samanjas a person who doesn't listen to reason unreasonable person so he would do all sorts of wrong kind of activities though from the past birth he was supposed to be not doing all these things but in this birth he has gathered all that because asamanjas engaged in such abominable activities his father gave up affection for him and had him exiled then asamanjas exhibited his mystic power by reviving the boys and showing them to the king and their parents after this asamanjas left ayodhya you remember from the past life he was a great person you know so he is just showing them this particular thing o king parikshit when all the inhabitants of the ayodhya saw that their boys had come back to life they were astounded and king sagaras greatly lamented the absence of his son now we have moved on to another territory you see the introduction of the word ayodhya is over here so now you know where we are heading so slowly we are going to that story all right so sagara was he greatly lamented his son thereafter amsuman the grandson of maharaj sagar was ordered by the king to search for the horse this is the ashwamegh yagya a uh, horse has been taken away remember it's very difficult to remember so many distortion contortions and don't know so many bylanes and what not but sometimes you have to remember okay following the same path traversed by the uncles amsuman gradually reached the stack of ashes and found his horse nearby so we are coming to the point where kapila muni is there correct right the great amsuman saw the sage kapila the saint who is an incarnation of vishnu just now only i was telling you he is an incarnation of krishna or what we say as a vishnu vishnu avatar sitting there by the horse amsuman offered him respectful obeisance folded his hands and offered him prayers with great attention amsuman said my lord even lord brahma to this very day unable to understand your position which is far beyond himself either by meditation or by mental speculation so what to speak of others like us who have been created by brahma in various forms as demigods animals human beings birds and beasts 
we are a completely in ignorance. Therefore, how can we know you? Who are the transcendents? See, understand this. When you meet the Lord in whichever form, like here is Kapila Muni, you have to pay your respect. You cannot, uh, you know, treat him like a, no- a normal person. So, respect by means of prayers, offerings, oblations, whatever that you need, that has to be done. So, here he is giving the praises and saying some good words to him. My Lord, you are fully situated in everyone's heart. By the living entities covered by the material body cannot see you, for they are influenced by the external energy conducted by the three modes of material nature. How many people realize the true depth of the person? People are not in a position to realize a spiritual person, a, a transcendental spiritual person, person who has crossed the boundaries of normal human nature. So they are very few and when you see the person, if you are able to see through that person and realize who that person is, that is really great because then you are worthy of, you know, you must have crossed a certain, you know, boundaries or certain layers in your world and come out of it. So that is the reason why it is said. So, the normal people cannot see. Alright. These intelligence, their intelligence being covered by Sattva Guna, Rajaguna and Tamaguna, they can see only the actions and the reactions of these three modes of material nature. Again a very beautiful line. It's, it's mentioned, you know, the nature of a human being. I will, I will come to this line, okay. Because of the action and the reactions of the mode of ignorance, whether the living entities are awake or sleeping, they can see only the working of material nature. They cannot see your lordship. Many a times we are not able to see God in the activities that are happening. The reason is very simple because you are covered by three modes of nature. It could be Sattva, Rajas or Tamas. I will give you examples. You know, a Tamasic person will say, Oh, mera luck hai, isiliye he got something. The fellow will be full day sleeping. And suddenly, you know, he gets some money or something like that. And he'll say, oh, by luck, I got it. I, by the way, they, they, are sub, they owed me. Maybe, you know, that's why I got it. Like most of these people, you find these kind of tamasic people in these gambling dens and all that. Suddenly, out of the blue, suddenly, the money flows and they really become very, very rich. So, okay, that is what happens. I'm sure if you remember Kaun Banega Karodpati, you know, there was this young boy who won 5 crore rupees, you know, in front of Amitabh Bachchan, uh, in Kaunbaninga Kraudpati. In less than one year's time, all the money was gone. That person is without a job and he has become absolutely poor. So, <laughs> this is basically, though he might have used his brain power over there for Kaunbaninga, but what has happened? The entire thing is gone. So, here also he is saying, those who are in the Tamaguna, they lose everything, whether whatever that they might have got. Because in their case, laziness is the most important thing. Or they will sit in one place and they will expect God to give them, drop things from top. Okay. Then we have the Rajasik people, those who are immersed in the Rajoguna. They will always be driven by numbers, figures, wanting to achieve, I'll do this, I'll do that, I did this, I did that. They are driven by this nature. So if you tell them God gave them something, they'll say, what bullshit are talking, you know. God never gave. I worked hard for it. I am giving this money. I take care of the family. I do this. I do that. See, these are the things which happens. So you will find that uh, this 
is what drives the whole thing and because of that the person never understands that there is somebody called god so now coming back to one more the third one which is called the third one is the sattva gun the sattva gun will the person will say oh i went to this temple and i gave money over there okay so the poor people are getting fed by that money oh is that so yeah yeah we all donate to charity you know as per the vedas we are supposed to donate to charity i give a little poor portion of my income to charity and then the the institution the the temple the, the whatever you know ngo or somebody like that they they do that thing they are telling that the ngo is far more stronger than uh, even god okay so these people they do not understand again they will say you know i do a little bit of social service yeah social service they do i go to the temples also you see i go clean the place over there i met one person some few days ago he told me how great he was a person in cleaning the temples taking part in the activity making all those you know puliyogares and all that stuff and distributing over there you know we have these langars you know in uh, uh in the temples in uh, uh gurudwaras and all like that in the temple the people come and do service and the person said i give poor people food to eat this is more sattvic in nature but here they are denying god actually god is the one who is feeding so those who are in the three gunas do not understand the meaning of god they are lost but those who are truly spiritual they will only understand that you are nobody you are just like a you know like a marionette okay like uh, you are, you are being pulled by strings and things are kept in front of you so the person should realize this it's only the god who does things he is only being pushed in that direction to do those things you are just a machine <coughs> and god is the one who is operating you this is the most important lesson over here so this person understands what does he say i understand kapila muni you are the one who is the parabrahma who is doing everything and i am nobody okay i have come here to take the horse but i want to bow down to you because you are the final doer oh my lord sage is free from the influence of the three modes of material nature sage is such as four kumaras that is sanat sanaka sanadana and sanatana are able to think of you only few people in this world are able to think about this thing that finally you are not the doer even when you are doing your job or something like that and you are going undergoing a stress over there okay or you may be getting promoted or you are getting good money or you are taking care of the family or something else is happening you are absolutely nobody over there think about it like this you know if you think that you are if you have a child and you are taking care of the child you should you are mistaken suppose you are not there you think the child will not grow into whatever destiny that is there for him he will definitely grow into that who says he can't do that okay so finally whatever is there destined for that particular person will come but you are driven with one you know you know there's uh, bulls they put one thing around their nose and they are dragged and the bulls think that they are being uh, they are the ones who are driving the master sorry you are driven okay 
So there is one master sitting on, on, on your back and he is doing like this and you are going over there. So finally this is a person who understands. So only sages of that order can understand this, are able to think of you. Okay, and you are concentrated knowledge. But how can an ignorant person like me think of you? So never have that kind of an, uh, you know, attitude. I know everything. You have to stop this attitude. I know everything, you know nothing. The more, the moment you say, I know. What is this I know? Nothing. You don't know anything. You are blind. Okay. Oh, completely peaceful Lord. Although material nature, fruitive activities and their consequent material uh, names and forms are your creation. You are unaffected by them. Therefore, your transcendental name is different from material names and your form is different from material forms. You assume a form resembling a material body just to give instructions like those of the Bhagavad Gita. But actually you are the supreme original person. I therefore offer my respectful obeisance unto you. So, here he is giving a very beautiful lesson. What is he saying? That sometimes, actually you don't have a form. Actually, God the Father or what we call as Krishna never has a form. There is no form of Krishna by the way. So what happens is, he sometimes takes up a form basically for certain reason. What is the certain reason? To teach. Only to teach. So he comes in the material form. Though the material form is nothing but like, as if we know it's like a, uh, now think about it, you have a CD player or something like that. You hear the voice of that singer. You think the singer is there in that CD or what? No. It's just uh, the recording there. Likewise, you know, you just think that that particular form is just used for a purpose. So the Lord uses the form for a purpose. The form has no value. Let me put it to you straight away. But we again, how much value does the form have? The only value that the form has is equivalent to the number of teachings that the person is supposed to give. See, if I have to convey something to you, Okay, think about it like this. You are driving on the road and there is no signal. How will you know to stop and to go? You have to use your brain. Again, you don't have brains to use over there and that's why most of the accidents happen. <coughs> because, you know, ego comes in the way. I will go, you go, I will go, you go. You know, that thing happens. So there is a problem. But suppose there is a signal. The signal is telling us red, yellow, green, whatever. Is it not telling you exactly what it's supposed to be? So this particular form is telling us some things. Green means go, red means stop, like that. So the form is only teaching the mind some things. But is it that the red color means stop? We associate the name with the material thing. You understand what I am saying? We associate a color red with stop. Color red with stop. So if somebody wear, you know, has a red janda, we stop. <laughs> it's the same thing, you know, in railway stations you have seen red janda, green janda, you know, that flag. It means that, suppose somebody in the battlefield comes with a white janda, you know, ceasefire or surrender or whatever. So there is something associated with that object and that is what he means. The material form has only that much amount of relevance. The relevance is not the material form. Please understand, the material form is useless. There is something associated with it. Like red color means stop, green color means go. Like that. And it's just an association. So that association is all that you need to know. So here he is saying, the 
their consequent material names and forms are your creation consequent that means one after the other that comes up you are unaffected by them therefore your transcendental name is different from tra- material name transcendental name is what the one name which is beyond any material world so material name is krishna okay sometimes the material name matches with the name ab- over there so you will find that jesus or christ is the same name over there also so they say now the father took the form of a son this is what it means so sometimes krishna is a name taken by this transcendental being sometimes sometimes he takes up a name which is different like shri ram he may take parshuram it depends parshuram it tells you you know parshu means axe an axe ram with an axe got it so like that all right so whatever is the name that is there that is material name don't associate material name like that understand what is in that so you assume the form resembling a material body just to give instructions the material form is taken only to give instructions so that see if something some akashvani happens in the air you think you will understand or what you will think some radio is playing somewhere you won't even listen to that so the form is important he comes in front of you and he teaches you bhagavad gita sometimes okay and just to give instructions like those of bhagavad gita but actually you are the supreme original person who krishna is the supreme original person therefore i offer my respectful obeisance to you understand don't associate the form that way form is important only for instructions oh my lord those whose hearts are bewildered by the influence of lust greed envy and illusion are interested only in the false hurt and home in the world created by your maya attached to home wife and children they wander in this material world perpetually this is what happens maya is so strong she comes out extremely strong and at that time this same person that we are talking about gets so much attached to his material world his house his car his this his that his wife his children his father his mother everything we get so much attached to it and we forget the true nature of ours that is what happens o super soul of all living entities o personality of god it simply by seeing you i have now been freed from all the lusty desires which are the root cause of insurmountable illusion and bondage in the material world so he says because of meeting you just now i have overcome these difficulties o king parikshit when anshuman had glorified the lord in this way the great sage kapila kapila the powerful incarnation of vishnu being very merciful to him explained to him the path of knowledge so he teaches him that particular gnana yoga okay right sankhya yoga as we call it the personality of god had said my dear amshuman here is the animal sought by your grandfather for sacrifice please take it as for your forefathers who have been burned to ashes they can be delivered only by ganga water and not by any other means so kapila muni is telling amshuman what he can do thereafter amshuman circumambulated Kapila Muni and offered him respectful obeisance, bowing his head. After fully satisfying him in this way, Amshuman brought back the horse meant for sacrifice, and with this horse, Maharaj Maharaja Sagar performed the remaining ritualistic ceremonies. So he brings back the horse, and then the balance of the ceremonies are performed. After delivering charge of the kingdom to Amshuman and thus being freed from all material anxiety and bondage, Sagar Maharaj followed the means by instructing by Aura Muni achieved the supreme destination. So 
this particular sun and the people those who are associated with it they follow the instructions and they reach their supreme destination so we have come to the end of the chapter over here so we will do the next chapter tomorrow that is called the dynasty of amshuman that will be chapter 9 so we can stop over here all right